It's a miserable, wet and really cold Friday afternoon, but I am here alongside my sister who has um, just started running. So uh, tell us your name. Uh, Kiki. Kiki, how's it going? What have you done today? I've done like two miles with you. And how was it? Hard. What do you mean um, hard? It was, um, it was, it was alright, wasn't it? It was enjoyable most of the time. Yeah, it was enjoyable. I, had, I think I had an out-of-body experience halfway through. <laughs> Listen, it's all about starting uh, small and slow and working your way up. But what are you aiming to, to achieve with the running? I'd like to be able to probably try do the uh, Great South Run next year. That would be great. Okay, that's brilliant. <laughs> so, so 2021 Great South Run? Yeah, the year. yeah. I'll so see you, you there, yeah. I'm just looking to uh, do 10 miles. Okay, goal pace in mind. Just get, get to that distance and, and actually finish the race then. Yeah, if I can do it in an hour and a half, I'd be happy. Excellent. Well, listen, I look forward to having some more runs together, and um, I'm sure we'll, we'll bump into a few of the listeners on the seafront, and if they see you or, or know you, then uh, they can give you some high fives. Well done today. It was really good. I enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we'll do some more together at some point. Yeah, thanks for taking me. Thanks for being patient. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, yeah. Cool. Take care, guys. Cheers. Bye. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to the Portsmouth Running Podcast um, and also a very warm welcome to you if this is your first ever time joining us on the show. Uh, I am Daniel Del Piccolo and this is my co-host who is the most metal of metalist runners I know. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Actually that's the biggest compliment that you've ever paid me done. Is <laughs> I, yeah, I... I have to keep kind of coming up with new, new inventive ways of... Um, of you know of introducing you but you haven't you haven't said your name yet just in case anybody's new <laughs> i'm david harvey and i'm definitely metal and i'm not punk <laughs> definitely metal, not punk. yeah yeah definitely well i'm glad you like that intro so now i have to come up with a new one for christmas so <laughs> listen speaking of christmas dude it's it's almost going to be one year uh since i since the show kind of initially went out wow, wow. i don't know where the time's gone how, how many shows have you done this year there, this so this is going to be episode thirty-one. Blimey. So, yeah. I mean, originally I was going to do once. Well, I was going to do one a month, so it should be episode twelve. But it's just um, you know, it's gone pretty well, and um, I think, uh, you know, probably because I'm a runner, I've 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 gone ahead of pace. <laughs> That's unlike you. <laughs> He's slowed down. Yeah, I do definitely. But no, it's it's been it's been good. It's been a fantastic year so far, and obviously you've joined the show. Uh, kind of halfway, halfway through. I can't remember when your first one was, and you've been a guest as well. But uh, no, it's it's um it's quite nice. I'm thinking we need to do something special at at some point for the for the birthday show. But I don't know what that is. Indeed, I was like, one day you're going to be. It'll be like the Joe Rogan podcast where you're going to be world famous, and you'll be on uh, episode fifteen hundred, and you'll be here <laughs> in a panel of like Mo Farah and uh, I don't know, like. Killian <laughs> and uh, and Dave Harvey, one of the only finishers of the hill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. One day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's cool. Well, we'll have to we'll have to have a thought around what to do for the uh, for the Christmas one. Maybe a maybe a giveaway if we can if we can find something. You got any random yeah. items lying around the house, like some sweaty old shirts or something that we can get rid of? <laughs> yeah. Oh, loads of t-shirts. If anyone wants one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of which, we need to get down to uh, need to get across to rerun at some point. So I've got a mass, mass load of stuff to uh, to give. Oh, but listen, dudes, go on. I said that was a good interview with the rerun chaps. Yeah, Charlotte's interview was amazing. She, uh, yeah, she's she's just really, really great. And 
I love I love what they're doing there with rerun. They're just like really inventive and mm. and coming up with new ways to kind of help keep stuff out of landfall. So yeah, I know it was it was a really interesting show. But listen, so much has happened in the world since we last spoke. I think there's been like uh, this amazing almost kind of turnaround weekend that that, that you know, Sheena and I were feeling last weekend with the U.S. election results and virus vaccines and lockdown 2.0 finishing and. Uh, but yeah, obviously I, I did no running and you had a week off the running as well. It is. Yeah, it was one of the best weeks of my life. I mean, there, there was, I saw a tweet online actually, which pretty much kind of um, summed up the turn of fortunes of 2020 in one go. And it was something like Dominic Cummins has left Downing Street. Um, President Trump's been kicked out of office and there's a COVID vaccine on horizon. <laughs> and she, yeah. The, the calamity, the, the absolute catastrophe that this year has been for, you know, for everyone, you know, whether you run or not, you know, it's been universally challenging for everyone, hasn't it? So yeah, absolutely. For me, that 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 tweet just kind of summed up the the change of fortune in, you know, in just a few days. But you know, all of that, you know, particularly the the election is still kind of that that saga is still going at the moment with Trump, isn't it? So, it is. Then God, goodness knows how it's going to end, and and no matter what side of the the fence you kind of sit on, it's um you know it's going to be interesting to see what what pans out. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you're back you're back on the running this week, and uh, how, how's it all been going? Do you know what? So slightly, yeah. So it's been alright actually. Do you know for the first first time in a long time, I did a tempo session on on Wednesday. Oh yeah, which eight, eight miles with a four hundred meter tempo bit each mile okay. and when I went out for a run yesterday Thursday God, my legs were toast they're absolutely like they, they were so sore just from this eight mile tempo run so I think there's a little bit of fitness to be getting back there and a little bit of strength and conditioning to be done which yeah is what you've been you've been on recently isn't it yeah I well, uh, you know, actually, it was it was really kind, Dave. But your your coach, um, Michelle Maxwell, uh, from is it, is it Mac? I think Maxwell Coaching is her is her brand. Um, yeah. She invited me along to do uh, a kind of glute and core session uh, one one morning last week because I put a, I put a tweet out saying that I'm doing some strength and conditioning. You're right, and I'd I'd got some old rusty weights out of my out of my shed, and they're now in the mm. house, and I'm using them every every day or two. Uh, but yeah, she invited me along, and, and dude, I can't believe how weak I am. Uh, really? Doing some of those kind of core exercises and, and glute exercises, I was I was literally trembling within mm. within 30 seconds of holding a, a certain position, and it's just kind really? of yeah, it's identified just you know how much work and how much improvement I can do on the strength and conditioning, and you know I think it will really help. Yeah, I think so. I think you need there's something about that kind of like solid platform, isn't there? Because we, I think legs wise, you know, you can be fantastic, but unless you've got that kind of like sturdy core. Mm. And then it, you know, it's, uh, sooner or later something's going to give. And I certainly, from my point of view, that doing some of that kind of core and strength and conditioning work has, has been brilliant. You know, just fighting the niggles and yeah, no, I definitely want to carry it on. I think when you start, it's easier to kind of um, capitalize on it. And you know, yeah. once you get a few days or or a week in the bank, then you're like, okay, okay, cool. I'm I'm in a rhythm here. Don't mm. don't make it all in vain capitalize on it grow grow your you know yeah. grow the work you've been doing so i'm hopefully going to keep it up and uh, keep myself a little bit more injury free because my leg is is 
God, it's been so sore over the last few weeks, and obviously I, t- I took a week off as well, um, mm. which uh, which was the worst the worst week of my life. Now it wasn't that bad actually. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it as much as you. It sounds like, but uh, I'm. Were you being a new Ross runner for the week? They everything was too much. You can't go out for a run. Yeah, pretty much like that. Yeah, just over dramatic <laughs> about everything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah. you know, there's obviously so many people out there who can't, you know, can't run for whatever reason for, you know, long term. And it really kind of brings you back down to earth and just like, OK, don't be silly. It's just a week. There's no yeah. there's no there's no major issues here. But now yeah. I'm back on it now and looking forward to doing the the South. Down, well, I'm not I'm not t- officially taking part, but I'm going to do 100, 100 miles next week and see how that goes, which is probably stupid. But hey, so that's, that sounds like the darkest thing that I've ever heard is that you've gone from almost suspecting that you might have fractured your tibia or yep. uh, practice to going full on and running 100 miles in one week <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I've had it's, it's really weird with the injuries because obviously you know every time you get injured you want to you want to go off and, and see somebody to make sure you know that the yeah. you know this diagnosis that you've kind of self done is is the right one but I've had this um I've had a stress fracture before in the tibia and I kind of know I'm very familiar with the feeling it's it's pretty unique yeah. Um, it's a it's a tiny spot on the inside of the tibia that if you press just sends the most horrendous dull ache all the way up to your knee and down. It's 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 it's, it's horrible. But I think with reduced intensity sessions and actually removing the intensity sessions completely away, having mm. just a week off, uh, and then if and then me kind of jogging back into it really easy. I think yeah. um, in the past that seems to have worked for me, and it, and it does take a few weeks to to shift, but. Um, for me, it, uh, that kind of works, but it, yeah, it's risky. You need to get those uh, cushioned shoes on then, Dan. Stop going barefoot everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> barefoot? There's no way, man. You, know, <laughs> you won't find me without without my hokers on anymore. <laughs> oh, dude, you know what? I did something really stupid on the weekend. Uh, just gone. Uh, well, I'm always doing stupid things. This, this is just me. It's so I, I went. I went off and did um, a marathon just before I had my week off on on the South Downs Way and ran the route from Queen Elizabeth Country Park to Cocking yeah. uh, and back. Yeah. And what was really great was so so I went off at about a little bit later than I normally do. So it was kind of early afternoon. Um, saw some Centurion runners who were doing uh, their full hundred hundred um, run in one. So there were some people that had actually started in Winchester and I bumped into them along the route and they were going all the way to Eastbourne. Um, so I got a few photos of them and had a chat with them. It was, it was fantastic. And I think also a previous guest, Dave Poole, was doing um, his yeah. 100 around QE Country Park. So, yeah, so it was full of full of runners and there were, there were quite a few people doing stuff. But I got to the halfway point and realized that I didn't have my head torch with me. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm thinking I'm, I, I kind of stopped at cocking, had a, had a little bite to eat, filled up a water bottle with um, with water. And I looked in the distance and I could see the sun setting and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get about halfway back to QE Country Park and it's going to be dark. And yes. it, it happened. It was literally pitch black dark when I had about eight, seven or seven or eight miles to go. Right. <laughs> so it made it made for a really, really interesting run, especially in that kind of foresty two roads that you cross. Yeah. Um, I literally ran with my hands out in front of me thinking I'm going to fall at some point. <laughs> But but you know what? There's something like I know it was stupid, but there's something really enduring about that. Like go just going out, you know, similar to the to the enduring the cold kind of runs that, that I do sometimes. It's just it was a little bit kind of adventurous, and I was I was excited for when it got dark. I just wanted to see what would happen. Yeah, it's like it's like something new, isn't it? It's uh, looking at 
new eyes and going for a new experience. Yeah, that, that's it. It's just like, you know, it's, it's dangerous, but it's not very, very dangerous. I mean, I could have fallen and, and really hurt myself. So, but, you know, risk, risk is fun sometimes. Did you trip up at all? I, I didn't. My, I tell you what, my ankles took a hell of a, a hell of a beating. And I don't think that helped my leg before I had the week off anyway. But Because um, so I, I had... guess when, when you're doing well, is that you can't see how close the ground is to a certain extent. Is that because, you know, you, you take away that kind of visual field. And if you're going downhill, you can. Have you ever overstepped going down down a um, down the stairs or? Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, that kind of thing. You like carry on doing that, and mm. such a strange sensation, isn't it? When you when you take when you want to take that extra step and it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that so that was fun. You know, I I saw a few. I saw a, I saw a runner that I know, um, uh, Laura Watts uh, from from Bogner. Okay. She was she was doing a. Oh, I think she was meant to do a fifty mile run but she may have cut it short that night so i saw her just as it was getting dark um near that horrible grassy hill at harting oh yeah uh, with the cattle with the cattle gate over the top i hate that hill Um, so she was coming back the other way and yeah she was just saying oh you don't have a head torch how how are you gonna get back and i was like well yeah i'm just gonna just gonna see how it goes and just kind of take it easy so if you see my my trace from that day you'll see that the uh the last seven miles of the run get get very a little bit slower than than the last <laughs> the last lot <laughs> but no, it was all good it was all good so so listen um yeah i guess we should go into the interviews and uh not to go off topic too much but we've got uh, got a couple of uh, really really interesting interviews this, um this week one is with a, a good friend of mine steve Ware, who i've known for some time who is now a mindfulness um, expert who does various talks uh, for different companies on uh, yeah on the benefits of of just being mindful and and meditation. So yeah, super super interesting uh, interview there. I mean, I think that's kind of something that relates to us all as runners, whether we know it or not. Just how how running is good for the mind and stuff. So uh, is that something that you have ever consciously practiced, Dave? I do you know I meditate quite a lot, and but I do it in ways that probably don't feel like meditation okay and I, I know that probably doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense but obviously i do the wim hof breathing in the morning and the cold shower but yeah most i will i listen to uh sort of relaxing teachings about loving kindness and about yeah. and about mindfulness and meditation and quite often do some um sleep meditations that kind of thing yeah so but yeah it doesn't necessarily have to be sat in a, in a strange pose with your fingers up or whatever it, it can be done in so many different ways not at all but um as frustrating as running can get as well i think running running is probably the main meditation and i've found in the past if i'm at work and i'm struggling to have the confidence to make a decision about something or struggling on knowing what to do or getting a bit confused about things i normally just go right stop go out for a run and normally within that run, suddenly I'll get that light bulb moment and I'll know what to do. And as soon as I get back home, I can plow on and, and know exactly what I'm doing, know exactly what to do and have the confidence to do it. And yeah, I, think, you know, I think we said on this podcast before, actually, that without realising running is a meditation and you can often go 30, 40, 50 minutes without realising that you've not thought about anything or, mm. you know, or you just had a blank mind or you've relaxed yourself and you've calmed, calmed the mind yeah or even just being in the present moment for a change because i'm always thinking about what's what's coming up or what's happened in the past and never really got the needle on on the current situation so 
absolutely well that's that's what mindfulness is all about isn't it is it's you know taking ourselves out of that worry of the future or the concern of actions from the past mm. and um just concentrating on what's happening right now so Eckhart Tolle said you know that life is in the present is is in the now didn't he um, yeah absolutely get towards the end of their life realizing that they've never lived the, their life at all because mm. they've been so concerned about what's happened in the past or in the future so yeah uh, it's, it's it's certainly a topic of uh, of mass interest, um, especially these days when uh, you know there is so much kind of mental stress going around with everything happening. But yeah, so we've got Steve Ware on, and then we, we'll, what we'll do is we'll go straight into the, the the main interview with our featured guest this week, who is uh, the lovely Jacob O'Hara, who many runners uh, in the area will know or have spoken to or have even uh, raced against. And, and Jacob's one of one of the real young kind of rising stars in Portsmouth who I remember when I first kind of got serious about my running in Portsmouth, I always recall Jacob's name coming up in conversations at races and, and, you know, thinking about and, and hearing about his, his 5k times and his 10k times. He was really, really speedy as a youngster and he's put in so much hard work and dedication into the running. Um, mm -hmm. And we also find out about all sorts of other hobbies that he's got and stuff. So yeah, it was a really, really great chat and Jacob was, was fantastic as a, as a guest. So we'll go straight into those and then we'll uh, have a quick uh, catch up before we, uh, we end the show. So speak to you in a sec. Easy. Hello, Steve, and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. How are you doing on this, uh, looking outside the window, bright and sunny uh, morning? It is bright and sunny, yeah. Thank you, Dan. It's, I'm very well, thank you. I've been out for a nice nice dog walk, and like you say, it's been, it was a pleasure to be out this morning. Nice and a bit crisp, but... Um, mm. It was nice a bit cold, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was a little bit chilly this morning, but like you say, I think going out in the morning just really kind of helps kind of set you up nicely for the day and there's nothing like a bit of fresh air and, and sunlight and I, I think the older i get the more i yeah. appreciate it for some reason <laughs> definitely true and if you've got an 18 month old cocker spaniel like we have then you're out literally every morning whether it's oh. horizontal rain or glorious sunshine so she's she's good for getting us out yeah there's something i tell you what, there's something nice about being out in the rain as well uh you know it, it comes up on the show a lot about running in the rain and stuff but Does it? yeah i know yeah. it's just, uh, i guess you've got a reason to get out now so in, in a way it's kind of forcing you out but but good good at the same time listen it's great to have you on the show um i've really been looking forward to to speaking to you um all about mindfulness um because i think it's such a such an interesting and current topic um that has mm. a huge effect on on everyone who who either practices it uh, you know intentionally or not um and i yeah. believe there's, there's a real kind of natural correlation and relationship between running uh, and mindfulness but but before we start there let's let's chat about yourself um just for a couple of minutes and your mm. uh, your role um that, you know, I picked up on when I was doing my research was you're a mindfulness in the workplace teacher and advisor at the University of Oxford Mindfulness Centre. Is that right? Yes. So, so to, to give you a kind of super short summary, I, I kind of discovered mindfulness kind of by accident, really. It's probably about eight or so years ago. And, I, and I'd gone through a period of sleeping, not great, to be honest. Okay. And which was quite unusual for me because I was always a really, really good sleeper. But um, I'd go through these periods of not sleeping and then I'd get sort of anxious about not sleeping. And it's kind of ended up in a vicious, bit of a vicious circle. And I'd, I just felt a little bit more wired than normal. I felt like I had this mind that, that kind of didn't switch off as much as it used to. Okay. It, didn't, it didn't kind of, I, I felt a little bit more stressed, I guess, than I used to. And I, but at the same time, I, hadn't, I, I didn't have any intention of practicing meditation or mindfulness. I thought they were very weird 
new age kind of navel gazy things things that weirdos did or things that people did that didn't really have anything to do you know that just kind of detached from society and sat around chanting and meditating yeah do, so do you, think, these, you, think you think that's still very much the case as well i think i think for some i think it's getting a lot better mm-hmm. it's a lot better i've seen it get a lot better even in the last eight years one of the reasons i think is because mainstream science in the west is is i mean there's, there's been a huge exponential rise in the amount of scientific experiments they've done uh, on the human body on, on our brains and our bodies the effects of mindfulness yeah um and we know now it's not just it's not just mindfulness experiments they did that i think one of the first discoveries with um with something called neuroplasticity which is a, this ability for our brains to change literally shape and size depending on how we lead our lives they discovered that with the london taxi drivers wow so you know the guys in the black cabs that that um and this is probably more relevant when they did the study which is a little while ago now yeah so back in the day pre-sat nav um i guess even now to a certain extent um to be a taxi driver in london you had to pass a test called the knowledge and this, this was quite a quite a world-renowned test because you not only had to know all the streets of london incredible number of streets you had to know uh, where things were in relation to everything else so if i got in your taxi for example on park lane and said I fancy going to see a film, take me to the nearest cinema. Yeah. I don't know what the name of it is. I don't know where it is. You'd need to know that kind of stuff or take me to the nearest hospital or take me to the nearest whatever. Mm-hmm. So these guys would pour over maps and street names and, and they'd absorb all this information. So, so the spatial mapping part of their brain, which is called the hippocampus, literally grew. So if, if you scan their brains, these taxi drivers would have a larger hippocampus than, than your average Joe, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. And so that, that applies to... I mean, it is amazing and it, is, it kind of shocks people when you tell them, but then, then you think, why is it that shocking? Because, you know, if I go out running or if I go to the gym and lift weights, my body gets used to what it's doing and it adapts and changes size according to that. Mm, that's and true. If, I, if I go into a gym and lift a weight, my muscles get big and I can see, I guess, I guess the difference is you can see that, can't you? You can look in the mirror, okay, my, my arms are bigger because I lift weights. You can't look inside your own head unless you've got a functional MRI scanner. Yeah, it's like, so, it's, like, it's, it's like measuring thought turning into muscle growth rather than like in a gym, you're actually working the muscles turning into muscle growth. It's just, yeah, you know, how, is, how is thought potentially shaping the brain? But yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, it is. And, and you can see it if you've, got, if you've got the right equipment. So that's, that's kind of how it started. But of course, that lends itself to meditation practice. And this is a huge discovery because now, now we've shifted from thinking, from people thinking you're kind of either born as a, as a chilled out guy or someone who's a bit stressy you can actually influence that now based, based on what you do. And you can actually train your, your powers of attention. You can effectively train your brain, your mind in the same way that um, you can train your body. And that's, that's just, uh, that's, that's mm. potentially life-changing. That's, that's why people who, who practice meditation and practice mindfulness, that's why you'll see big, powerful um, reviews from them. Um, when you yeah. teach them, people saying, this has literally changed my life. This is, you know that they'll use very powerful statements because it has that power to do that it's not just a it's not just a relaxation technique it's not just a way of in fact it's you know it's not a way of kind of zoning yourself out to to the world you don't anesthetize yourself to what's going on it's not it's not a way of cocooning yourself mm. it's it's a way of of being here being present um however that is and so that's that's kind of through good times and bad and and when you do all that and you and you train your attention and, and, and live in that way it can have massive effects on on your body and your mind which as as, mind, as mainstream science will tell us again are 
are intrinsically linked now that the body and the mind are so closely linked i think everybody accepts that now yeah absolutely i think you know it's such a big topic that you i'm seeing a lot of um videos being created on youtube from people who like yourself weren't necessarily uh, uh, into the whole topic and have, have got involved read books learned more mm. and, and the, the impact it's had on their life you're seeing loads and loads of content coming out now in blogs and and websites yeah. and videos and you're just hearing about it all over the place and i guess like my own analogy um you know on top of what you've just said as well is like you know if you if you're driving a car and you want to look after it i mean our bodies are really important to ourselves so, so you know the relation, relation mm. to, to a car that you look after if you're revving the engine all the time the car's going to break at some point you, know, you look after it you take care of it you open it up you clean it you 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 let it rest for a while i mean it, it all it, it all just makes sense i mean we're all mechanically mm. you know we're all mechanical creatures and whether we're synthetic or not and there's just there's just so much to think about around the topic but yeah in, very, very interesting so, yeah Steve, that, Steve, that analogy it? works well yeah no I've, I've had the pleasure of listening to to one of your your mindfulness talks um before and i always remember like how well you described it and stuff and i think pretty much you've answered what my next my next question was going to be as well and and maybe you want to add something else but what actually is mindfulness as a as, as a practice or as a, as a subject have you got anything else you want to you want to add to it just to kind of describe what it is i guess the only thing i'd add is and one of one of my real kind of aims in life if you like is to make mindfulness normal mm-hmm I think mental health is becoming a lot more normal. And, and is, I love it when people like Tyson Fury, you know, the heavyweight champion of the world, if, when, if he comes out, the toughest guy on the planet, there aren't, there's nobody in, who can get in a ring with him and beat him at this time, you know, for whatever belts he holds. If a big, tough guy like that can come out and say, do you know what? Mental health is important and we need to look after it. And I've had my struggles. I think that's so good, for ki- especially for kids, for young men and women to say, do you know what? It's okay for me to spend time looking after it. Or if I have a tough time to tell someone about it. Yeah. So I love that that's getting better. The only other thing I'd add is that um, mindfulness and meditation, you hear those words kind of used interchangeably and I'd, I'd kind of, I'd kind of define them in this way. So, so meditation for me is, is a practice. It's almost like, uh, in fact, let's, let's bring it back to fitness because we're on a running podcast. So, okay. Well, one of, the main, one of the main reasons I use this expression when I talk, one of the main mistakes, the biggest mistake people make or businesses make, I mainly teach in workplaces, but the, one of the main mistakes is they treat mindfulness like they treat health and safety. So they, get, they ring someone up like me and say, can you come and talk to our guy? Our guys are stressed. Can you come and talk to them for an hour? We can give you an hour. Can you come and talk to them about mindfulness? And yeah, I can. But even if I gave the best, best presentation in the world, mm-hmm. that's not actually going to have that big an effect. And, and the expression I use is nobody ever got fit by listening to a talk on fitness. Yeah. You got and that, yeah. yeah that, that will resonate with everybody listening to this one. You, you, could, you could study running for the next 10 years. You could, have, you could write a PhD in it. Yeah. The effects it has on the body, how you train, the nutrition, the sleep routine, the, the, the right shoes, the right, you know, you could study it to the nth degree. And then you fill your brain with all this conceptual knowledge, just like you could with mindfulness. Oh, I understand what mindfulness is. If, it, if that doesn't shift from understanding the concepts to actually direct experience, to practice, then your life won't change. Which is why some people, you know, they, they'll, they won't give it a good go. They won't practice. They'll, they'll kind of dip in and out very slightly and then say, oh, it didn't work for me. Or, so it's much like you can really bring it back to running. You know, if, if, I was, if I was doing a couch to 5K, if I was kind of 
hadn't done any running or, or was very unfit and I thought, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, what would be a realistic goal? What would be what would be a realistic time frame? I'd probably want to give it a couple of months before I really looked back and said, "How is this running for me? How's it working out for me?" I certainly wouldn't go for one, two, three runs and then say, "Oh, you know, I can't run half a marathon now, so I may as well give up on it." So um, it's certainly a, it's a subtle long term thing, just like fitness. Yeah, it's something you need to practice regularly, just like fitness. And That's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of the difference between, because people, like I say, people use the words interchangeably sometimes. So for me, mindfulness is a practice. It's kind of doing those reps in the gym. It's sitting, you can, you, can do mind, you can do a meditation practice, sitting or lying or even moving, but it's kind of a, a deliberate way of, of focusing the attention on what's going on in this moment. And if we don't do that, we often get lost in thought. Our thinking brains will just kick in because that's how we've been conditioned to, to act. And we'll spend a lot of time daydreaming or thinking about the past or thinking about the future or just commenting on what's going on so we're not we're, we're less present than we used to be so that's yeah. kind of the formal practice of meditation mindfulness is something you can do any any time and and, mm. and and anywhere you could you know you can an invitation from anybody listening to this just just see where you're just see what you're doing tonight when you when you eat your dinner or whatever your next meal is going to be whatever time of day you're listening to this when you're eating your next meal just see what's going on just see where your attention is. Yeah. Are you eating and scrolling through your phone? Are you eating and reading magazine, reading paper? Are you eating and thinking about what you should have done, shouldn't have done, what's going to happen? What That's may or may not yeah. yeah. Or are you actually truly present there eating and tasting your food? And these seem like very insignificant things. You may think, well, if I miss the odd meal, if I'm not really present, no big deal. But cumulatively, the effect of this can, can be can be quite big if we if we're never present it can really be draining and uh that's that's yeah. what can set us off into bad habits and ultimately suffering you're losing a lot of the the enjoyment um of of the moment you you, you know you're effectively losing time yeah exactly and i mean i'm sure there's all times i i sometimes I remember i was talking once i just went off on this tangent i don't know why i was talking i was talking at a, an ibm event and on a stage and and um and I started talking about people drinking whiskey. Okay. And it was, it was just an example. And you can pick anything. You can pick wine. You can pick a soft drink. You can pick whatever you want. So if you imagine if you've gone out, for, let's, let's come back to running. So you've been out for a run. You come back. And normally there's a post-running thing. I know you, I don't know if you still love your ice cream, Dan, but your thing was after a big run, where's the butterscotch ice cream? That's my treat. I still love um, the butterscotch ice cream, Steve. Good man. <laughs> good man. All right. So let's use you an example. Let's make this real life because mindfulness has to be real life. Okay. So you come back from your run and you've got, hopefully on your run, you were, you were kind of mindful. We can talk about that in a second. Yeah. So as you come back, that butterscotch ice cream, you'll probably eat quite mindfully. There'll, there'll be almost a little ceremony about it. You're looking forward to it. So you take it out of the freezer, you get your bowl, you get your spoon. Mm. There's a, there's a smell to it. There's the coolness in your hands. You probably notice you're spooning out. Then there's a the smell. There's a the taste. You're really with it because you're savoring it. Yeah, you're really looking forward to it. Yep. Exactly. So you're truly present. So all your attention, you won't be thinking. You probably won't be doing much thinking at all when you're eating that. And that's a sign of whether or not you're present. If, if there's very little to no thinking going on, you're probably being very mindful. So that could be an example of being with your kids you know, and it doesn't need to be vast amounts of time, even for a few seconds. 
mm. and maybe maybe being with your dog when your dog comes up and and she wags your tail and, and you meet eyes it's just that moment where the mind stops yeah maybe you walk out into your garden you look up at the sky there's a stillness in the in the in the stars and you just ah oh, you just take a second in that second your thinking mind stops yeah, and absolutely. my invitation to the listeners is Check that out and see if that's true in your experience. So think of any time in your life when you felt peaceful, when you felt joyfully alive, when you felt just at ease. See right. if those times in your life coincide where, with a time either of your thinking mind completely stopping mm. or there being a lot less thought. Yeah. And you could even add to that, would thinking add anything to that experience or would it detract from it? Mm. So... Steve. Steve, you're, you're, listen, you're, you're a runner yourself. Um, mm. so, so, you've, so you've actually done running. I know, you, I know you've done uh, many South Sea Park runs. Um, I don't know how much yeah. running you do outside of Park Run now that it's stopped. But um, would you say for a runner who's out there running, um, the same could be, could be said during the run as well for, for things you're either looking at or whether you're listening to, the, to that metronomic sound of the feet, um, feeling the earth crunch beneath your feet, all that kind of, all those moments, yeah. exactly the same thing. Absolutely. And I think, I think there's maybe almost two types of running because when I've talked about running in my presentation before, sometimes I handle garp and say, I don't need to do the meditation stuff. I don't need to practice any of this because uh, my, my meditation is running or it's okay. cycling or it's whatever. And I say, okay, well, that's great. That's, that's wonderful. And that is true for a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people, when they run, the reason they love running, one of the reasons they love running is because it's their, it's their moments of peace. Yeah that they're not that they you get into that kind of what an athlete would describe as the zone this kind of flow state this state where there is very little thinking of course you're conscious of course you're awake of course you're running you're doing what you know to do very well but an athlete or a runner when they're running they're not thinking that they're, they're just in the moment and they're flowing and everything's great and so yeah if, if when you're out running you're noticing to take your words down. If you're noticing the crunch of the sound on the ground as you as you go by, if you're noticing the coolness or the warmth on your skin, mm. if you're not tuned into the sounds, the beautiful sunrise in the distance, if you're tuned into all those things, that's great because that's taking attention out of thinking. You're basically practicing in meditation as you do that. Yeah, just using the running as a as a as a, as a form of it's it. It's just a tool. It's just a portal into it. Yeah. And so the only yeah. thing I say to people who who's whose only meditation is running is that's great and if it works for you that's wonderful for me it wasn't quite enough because if i if i had problems sleeping and it's three o'clock in the morning i can't really put my running shoes on and and, and get out and do a 5k because it's kind of not the time i needed something that's that i could get the same thing from but i could also it was also portable and i could do it anytime anywhere kind of thing but I guess it's yeah, just point, it's, point, it's pointing out though that if you're if you're a runner and you're experiencing that kind of stuff and you're effectively you know are practicing or using it as a portal like you say into that then you can apply it to other areas of your life so just be mindful that you know there are ways you can do this all through the day to help you absolutely to help, help your mind absolutely yeah. and this is where it gets truly useful for people because even if even if you came on, a, on my course and i turned you into the best meditator in the world how much time are you actually going to be able to spend meditating even if you said i'm going to prioritize it so much i'm going to do two hours a day which is a lot mm. what about the other 15 hours a day you're awake if you go back to just being stressed super stressed it's not that useful is it so so mindfulness the practice of being mindful during the day is is where the where the difference um matters and you're right you can do anything we invite people on on my course i'll invite you to do 
different things mindfully. You can do anything mindfully. You could brush your teeth when you, when you're taking a shower after your next run. Yeah. What's going on in the shower? Are you, are you thinking about something or are you yeah. in the shower? When you're eating your food, when you're, when you're, you're going up and thinking, downstairs. What, what, you're often just thinking, I need to get out. I need, I've, got to, I've got stuff to do. <laughs> you know, you just, yeah. So it's, yeah. Um, yeah, you're right. You just don't, don't, enjoy, don't, don't enjoy the moment at all. But yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, Steve, it's absolutely fascinating. I think, you know, we, I think we could probably spend two hours chatting about this, honestly. Yeah, there's, sure. so, there's so much interesting detail. Um, and I think it's almost like you want to stop people. I, I guess you do this in your courses. You want to stop people and just slow them down to even just think about these subjects carefully and think about what it is that you're doing. But it's um, like you said, it's really difficult in a, in a frantic world. And, and I'm, ra- I'm raising that word frantic because there was a book that you suggested that I, um, I buy a while mm. ago. Which I do, yeah. which I do, and and I and I have it here. Actually, it's, it's not. In the, it's in the, I think it's in the car at the moment, um, where it shouldn't be. But it's, is it? Is there anywhere like the runners listening can can find out more about the subject? Um, is is there a book you can recommend or or course or anything? Yes, yeah, so I the course. Well, actually, the course I teach is based on that book that that you have. So it's it's by an Oxford professor. Um, he's retired now, but. Um, it's called Mindfulness, A Practical Guide to Finding Peace in a Frantic World. And, and it's a bestseller f- for one main reason, I think. It's, so, it's such an easy read. It's so palatable. It's so digestible. It's so mainstream. It, it just uses all the language you'll understand. Mm. That They'll take you through things and you'll stop and think, oh, God, yeah, that's, that's totally describing me. That is, that is me. That's how my crazy mind works sometimes. And okay. yeah, I get stressed about all that kind of stuff. So it's really easy to, to pick up and learn. And it kind of takes you through guided meditation and other things. And that's what my training at Oxford was based on. Um, and that's the course I teach. That's the course I have been teaching in IBM. Um, okay. And it worked great. It works great for, for beginners or someone, people with a, with a little bit of experience because it's a gentle introduction. You're not asked to give up huge amounts of time. You know, there's nothing, there's nothing to believe in or anything. It's very experiential. You know, it's, it's kind of a case of let's try it together for eight weeks. Let's go on this fun journey together and, and, and see how we get on and see what the results are. And, and we'll judge it just like you would judge fitness after two months. Let's judge the mindfulness after two months and see if it's, see what it's doing. So okay. um, it's a what great I, course. I, no, absolutely. I, I, I mean, I started the book. Um, I haven't, haven't finished it. Um, again, I'm one of the, I think I'm one of those, I, I need to put my hand up and say that I, I dig into these subjects, get really into them. I understand, I think I have a good understanding of it and, and a need and yeah. want for it and a desire yeah. for it, but it's just that, you know, that those hooks and, and keeping the practicing going like, like anything, like a strength and conditioning that a runner might do. You know, I tend to do mm. weights for a little while and then drop it. And you know, in the back of your mind that it's stuff that, you know, you really need to, to, to do and practice yeah. more, but you just, you just don't you just don't hook it as, as well as you, as you, as you should. But Steve, can you, can you tell me about a little bit about your website um, where people can find more about mm. you on social media, LinkedIn, if yeah, so interested in hiring you for a course or, or something, where, where, where can they find out more about yourself? Yeah. I was just, I was just going to say, cause sometimes the difference between somebody like you who is, is fairly motivated, but maybe not self-motivated enough. It's the, it's the, it'd be the same difference between someone saying, I want to get fit, but I'm not necessarily doing it on my own volition. Mm. Sometimes if you get a personal trainer, they can just they can just see where you're going wrong, see where you need that extra support and just kind of take you through it or get a running coach and or go out join a running yeah. club. You know, it may be it may be that 
sort of linking it up with something something or someone else that can take it to that next level so that's really what i found point. in my course the, the course i teach is normally in groups um and, and that brings this this lovely dynamic it's like going out running with your mates you know you come along and, and we do the practice together and people can talk about it um so my website is is stevewaremindfulness.com so steve w-a-r-e stevewaremindfulness.com um you can find me on linkedin as well i'm happy to connect with anybody that that, that wants to and cool. if people are interested maybe the maybe the the best place to go would be my website because i've done i've put some blogs on there okay about what mindfulness is what you know how, how did i bring it into ibm because i spent the last five years bringing this into ibm to, just to normal people to real people that are working yeah um and so it's it's a great um it's a great case study, IBM, because IBM's full of so many, I mean, you know, Dan, it's full of so many diverse people, super busy people. They don't have time to, to, to add in anything to their schedules. But what we managed to do is, is do this course in such a way that it complements what they're doing. They can fit it into their days. And then okay. it gets to a point, you know, when you get to a point in your fitness where maybe cast your mind back a long way. But, but when you're maybe unfit and you just started running, it's kind of hard, isn't it, sometimes to start with? And then when, when you start to see the benefits from it, when you start running up flights of stairs and you're not out of breath anymore, or you can do a 5K and you see your time's coming down, that's very motivating because you're really sensing and feeling the benefits you're getting from this. Mm. It's I, the I same really with mindfulness. To, I always relate that to savings. If you're trying to save money in an account, as soon as you've yeah. got a bit in there and you've, and you've built up a little tiny bit, it's so much easier to add to the pot. Um, because Absolutely. you have something to measure it against you're you're really right and it's the same with the running and, and yeah probably the same with the with the mindfulness practice as well yeah as soon as you see any benefit as soon as, as soon as it's very motivating then yeah. that's what i see typically in a class of people normally around two three four weeks people start to say this is really helping me sleep you know this is really taking the edge off my work life balance is a lot better and then then i go less from saying guys let's just try it and see what happens to well, you know how this is working for you. You know, I don't, I don't need to motivate them as much or it's very self-motivating. So, um, That's so yeah, if anybody's interested, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk about it to anybody, anytime. Um, although I do teach in the workplace, I'm happy to run um, courses for anybody. And it, and it is a, it's a great beginner's course. So if it's something anybody's got any interest in learning cool. more about, then just um, be great to talk to them. Fantastic, Steve. Listen, I, I really appreciate appreciate the time um, and you coming onto the show to tell us all about mindfulness. And yeah, hopefully the listeners take take something away um, from that because I think it's just you know as we said earlier, such an interesting topic, such a super important topic, especially these days with everything mm. going on with COVID and lockdowns and job worries and yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot and of I stress in the world. Absolutely, and I think I think mindfulness and sport are, are marrying a lot together these days you're seeing a lot more of this you're seeing especially in america there's been a lot of stuff with with professional teams with with mindfulness because it just ties in with people being in a, in this flow state in this zone state and if you can do anything as an athlete to to improve that to get into that state more quickly and more readily then it then it's then it's fantastic so it's uh, it's interesting there's been books written on it and, and all sorts yeah, great stuff, Steve. Listen, thank you so so much again. Um, I wish you all the Pleasure. best um, with the with the website and the business and the courses and stuff. And hopefully, yeah, like I said, people people take something away from this and and like Steve's open to to anybody getting in touch. So all the best, and hopefully see you out for a run soon. Yeah, take care, Dan. It's great to take talk care, to you. Steve. Cheerio. Bye bye. All the best, mate. Bye. 
Hello, everyone. Very pleased uh, this week to welcome onto the show the very talented Jacob Alfaro. Welcome, welcome to the show. How's it all going? Yeah, all pretty good, thank you. Yeah, second lockdown, which is a bit of a bummer, but um, what can you do? It almost feels this time, obviously, a lot a lot different. We were saying earlier, a, um, a little bit more relaxed, but obviously it's super important. It's um, kind of we, we get through this for Christmas, so fingers crossed. And, and I think it's going to be quite nice because there's a turning point coming up with the new year coming. So I think people are going to be excited about, you know, especially as us as runners, what races are actually going to be going ahead soon. So um, have you got have you got much planned? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, as soon as lockdown hopefully ends and doesn't get extended, I do have a 5k race, which I've been gunning for, for um, okay. in the jolt of the winter. That's in uh, Ardingley in Sussex, and there's a lot of good guys who are there, and um, hopefully okay. I want to try and um, smash my 5k PB, because it's been a while. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Well, I'm going to mention what that is later, because, uh, yeah, which means you, you should be uh, dipping under another minute a minute mark, hopefully. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so fingers crossed for that. But listen, I've been, I've really been looking forward to this actually, because it was a long time ago uh, I bumped into um, you and your dad and, and kind of spoke to you about coming onto the show. But I always remember when I first started kind of taking my running a little bit more seriously and started, you know, investigating what groups were around and what clubs were around. I always remember your name coming up in a lot of discussions because you were obviously young and running really, really well and producing some really good times. But I guess to start with, for maybe those that, that don't know you so well, or perhaps even those that do, and just in a few sentences, can you tell us who you are, like what kind of running you do, and, and maybe like a little bit about the club running you do and stuff like that? Yeah, of course. Cool. So my name's Jacob O'Hara. I'm um, 19 and I'm from Portsmouth. I run for City of Portsmouth Athletic Club and um, I race over sort of middle distance, 1500 metres to 5k, and sort of, as I got a bit older, doing sort of 10k's, 10 miles as well. Okay. Have you ever gone up to half marathon yet, or was it, are you pretty much stick at that 10 mile as max? Uh, I've never <laughs> raced over half marathon, but obviously I do do like over half marathons for like training runs, but no, I think sort of like where okay. I want to train for five and 10k and sort of it's just about like when you're younger it's not great to sort of try and gun for those longer distances straight away yeah no fair it's, enough that sounds very sensible quality yeah no for sure for sure okay brilliant and uh i've got a question for you city of portsmouth athletics club is 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 shortened as copac do, do you guys ever call it copac or is yeah or is copac yeah co yeah so if you if you run for city of portsmouth you're known as a copacker ah right okay so there is a little word there okay yeah brilliant i, I just as i you know when i was writing it, i thought oh, i wonder if that's uh, that's called copac but interesting um are you currently studying anything and, and if so what, what what course are you doing yeah so i'm at the university of portsmouth i decided to stay at home um with cool. my coach but i'm studying accountancy and financial management okay brilliant cool yeah okay, so that's excellent. really good so completely separate to the running and just a like a, a completely different kind of academic course so that's yes yeah absolutely i think it's, it's so, something i've always been interested in definitely so i've always been obsessed with sort of like statistics and data especially for sort of uh running and sports statistics so i thought hang on that i could put that to good use into a sort of a real world situation great oh, that sounds that sounds excellent and uh, yeah i think we're going to come on to those uh the, the obsession with the numbers a little bit later. Um, <laughs> now listen you're not the only runner in your family either your your dad's been known to do a few miles uh is that right yes that's correct yeah, yeah. he's uh, it's, all, it's usually what happens is you have a a parent who was into the sport when they were younger and 
they sort of like or they push you to um sort of start doing what they did when they were younger but it was actually the complete opposite for for me and my dad I always started running and he was just a dad who was uh just watching in the cold and he's just decided to give her a go and okay, uh, interesting right he was running sort of 25 26 minutes for 5k about three years ago and he's um he's a very low 16 minute 5k runner now so it just shows what you can do amazing yeah, absolutely brilliant I was, so i guess at first he wasn't like a very natural runner he's just through the hard work has got got quicker and quicker so that, that's great because you can kind of almost i guess at some point there must have been some crossover with the times and you were both kind of pushing each other on but on a here's a question for you on a on a day when when neither of you really feel up to the running is it you or your dad that ends up going come on let's let's, let's go out let's 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 just do it um it's usually me i think actually <laughs> we do we do i mean when i was younger we always used to sort of do our sort of easy easy runs together and um it okay. probably was him because i was still sort of getting used to like training as much as i do and he was sort of oh come on let's get out let's do this but he's usually um he's usually the one who picks where we go and how far we're doing so um okay cool all right yeah i guess he's he's, he's the driver or are, you, or are you driving as well yeah oh yeah i do drive but yeah no he's he's usually uh, he's <laughs> driving me to all the places yeah <laughs> cool. that's fair enough then his his choice sound sounds right um on top of running as well uh jacob you've you've got some other uh talents as well and um don't be too modest about it because i've seen and heard you play your uh your guitar on instagram and uh, oh, oh, other, yeah. other instruments as well yeah i mean i was i've always been a keyboard player but i sort of yeah i don't really um I don't know how to read music. I've never had a lesson. That's like, I just don't have a clue. As an actual good musician, wise, I'm probably the worst there is. I can't read music at all. So it's just sort of like self-taught and playing by ear. Okay, that's good. I think, yeah. I think it's really nice to have, I think music especially, there's something about music. I'm a, I'm a musician myself and, and playing instruments. And yeah. I just think when you have, especially like yourself, somebody who has so much focus on one thing and, and so much hard work and dedica- dedication going into the running, um, to have music to kind of turn to, even just as a hobby or, you know, you, like you say, you're not, you don't take it too seriously and you can't read music, but it's it's like an, an outlet to go and, you know, relax and just kind of separate yourself completely from from the other focus areas in life. Would you, would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely on the um, relaxation bit, I find like you just sort of zone out for a few hours playing. Mm. And, uh, oh, when you're sitting there playing compared to when you're, you know, at the, the later stages of a, of a fast 5k, I mean, it's, it's two opposite worlds. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No, there's no worry about um, one of them. And there's a, an absolute, um, yeah, pure focus and the determination in the other, other end of the spectrum. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I've got to ask you as well. Um, how are you getting on with those, uh, with those hokers that you got? Uh, are they, are they being all right? Oh, absolutely brilliant! Yeah, you could definitely uh, turn me to a hoker. <laughs> yeah, no. So like, sort of the last two months, I sort of yeah, I got a pair of hokers, and um, they were absolutely brilliant. I don't think for support wise and stability wise, I don't think you can really get a better shoe than the Clifton. Cool. Uh, it was the Cliftons that you went that you went for, was it? Yeah. So that I do all my sort of easy, easy, steady miles in them. Yeah, and nice. then um, I got a pair of Carbon X as well a few weeks ah, ago. Cool. Nice. So okay. uh, I've seen. I don't know if you saw the um they 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 released a new shoe a few weeks ago called the Rocket X, which are getting a really really good 
write-up and stuff from people. That's and... right. Yeah, my um, one of my good mates, Rory, he's a he's a hoker athlete, and he said, oh, they're just unbelievable. He had a he he tried them out like a week before they came out, and he said they're just crazy. Nice. Yeah. No, I'm definitely looking forward to getting my hands on a pair of those in the future sometime. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. One thing I'd I'd like to say. Well, I was going to ask you actually, have you done any running this week before before we get into your story? Yeah. So, um, I I usually run every day. So apart from Friday, but yeah. So Monday I had a um, I had quite a big session actually. It was um, it's about 11 miles in total, and it was um, a 5k. So warm up, 5k easy, then 5k sort of at your um, lactate threshold, which is about your 10 mile pace. So um, okay. that was quite a tough session. It was quite windy. Yeah. And then uh, yesterday I had a 70 minute easy run. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say easy, you just you really do just run run to complete easy feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't really usually get that stress out about heart rates and stuff. I usually I sort of the way I look at it I know what time I want to be running for sort of 5k 10k and I'll sort of use that time to project different paces for different efforts okay so for example like an easy run for me is usually between four minutes to 420 per kilometer or 630 to seven minutes per mile okay yeah that sounds about right then yeah okay good so yeah that's 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 interesting so you're not too too bent up with the heart rates and things but you know you kind of got you've got this conversion table in your head you know your body you know what you're meant to be running on at which that seems to work all right okay cool nice one um so listen your your running story um i think you're probably or you're probably the second youngest or one of the youngest guests i've had on the show um but that that does not show at all in, in the list of achievements and PBs that you've got. In fact, it'd probably be worth mentioning a few of those right now and correct me if I'm wrong uh, on any of these, but I've got you listed down here as a 443 uh, mile time best. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah, that was that was quite a while ago as well. I've just run a, um, I ran a two mile time trial last Saturday. Okay. And um, I ran the first mile ridiculously too quick. <laughs> Okay. I did a 428 for the first mile. Oh, okay. So when you and officially then, um, go and race again, you should be able to get that time logged as sufficiently lower. Yeah, I think yeah, if if I was to do a, a mile race now, I'd definitely want to be sort of low low 420s, I think. Yeah. Okay, brilliant. You got a 1505 5k time, a 3237 10k time, uh, and a, an amazing 10 mile time of 5355, which is you know there's some absolutely cracking cracking times there um, but when did it all start for you jacob can you take us through like your running introduction and um i believe it started in in school at a certain cross-country race yes that's right so for for people my age i'm actually quite a late bloomer to running so i started running when i was about 14 properly and um a lot of the lads and girls my age they sort of start when they're about 10 years old it's sort of okay they've started it during primary school and I was sort of mid-secondary school when I started taking running running quite seriously but yeah the first sort of exposure I've had to sort of middle distance running was um at the start of, at the end of my primary school year so I was about 12 years old and I did a um a cross-country race Portsdown Hill so all like the school local schools sort of around the Haven Portsmouth area okay they did a race there and um 
I came second, which I was surprised of because I've never had sort of any sort of motivation to to do sort of running, and I had no ideas or expectations about my fitness. But okay. yeah, so that was the first time I um, started running. Yeah. And at that time, I was a tennis player and a table tennis player, so I was, I was completely focused and fixated on that. And yeah into my secondary school years we had the opportunity to race at the Hampshire schools cross country championships okay which is sort of a quite a, a race which I do sort of every year now and I came dead last it was awful oh, really? because I, I had no I had no no uh, proper kit proper kit or um, anything I had a big school jumper and all the other people were were wearing vests and spikes I had a pair of Reebok indoor trainers and I could literally there were parts of the course where I couldn't even make it up the hill I was actually slipping down <laughs> wow wow so um yeah it was an awful awful experience and um yeah but that's when it sort of clicked for me I was thinking oh hang on I could I remember how well I did two years before that mm-hmm. so I was thinking I might inquire I think it was a teacher at the school at the time okay told me to inquire about joining a club so I did and um, I got in touch with City Ports of Athletic Club and uh, where it started for me there I was um, basically I started as a sprinter okay. and I was like oh god this is not the right place for me at all I'm getting smashed by everyone. <laughs> so, you, so you were literally you, you, you joined the club and, and somebody obviously approached you and said right cool join that group over there and it happened to, it just happened to be a sprinting group. Yeah, I don't think I actually, I don't think, because I had no idea about sort of different distances. I knew, I knew obviously you had long distance and short distance, but the actual like segregation of the groups, I had no idea about. So I got put in a in a sprinting group and obviously I was hopeless. And um, <laughs> every week they used to, for that group, they did a, um, they did a 5k run around sort of Hillsy Lido. And that was actually where I started to see a bit of, oh, hang on, I'm actually near the front of this group. Okay. So um, the coach at the time, the sprint coach, Pauline, she said, oh, hang on, I'll, um, I don't think this is the right group for you, but I do know Pat Butcher, who was one of the uh, distance coaches at the club at the time. Yes. And um, she put me in contact with her, and uh, that's where I started to sort of take my... Uh, running my distance running sort of seriously I knew straight away that after a few sessions with Pat this is exactly the sort of stuff I want to be doing I'll fit, I'll fit in well with this group and um yeah Pat well Pat, Pat's come up um in quite a few conversations on the sh- on the on previous shows with previous guests I think she's trained uh yeah a few of the guests that have been on before um yeah absolutely. I, I had the pleasure of meeting her meeting her a, a couple of times I think through through coming along to some of your training sessions with with you and your dad um yeah. but yeah no re- absolutely remarkable and do you know what I've, I've picked up on a trend uh recording these shows uh, specifically about coaches um they they just sound like unbelievable people and they've just got like such a huge passion for the sport and the runners that they train um and yeah, yeah. just uh, you know a lot of the athletes like yourself speak so positively about them and, and the impact they've had on their lives you know n- maybe not even necessarily just running you know just you know, being there as, as role models and kind of teaching them you know, a lot of life skills as well, including the running. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Pat, she, 
the knowledge of running she has, the amount of experience she had was just, um, well, I'm paramount, I think, to be honest. Like, she had so much experience with different athletes. And yeah. the best thing about Pat was that it was it was all fun. Like, the training sessions were not suited or tailored to one specific person. Yeah, they were getting okay. fit and they were fun. So there's some great sessions, like we used to do at the Mountbatten Centre when Pat was coaching, there's sort of like around the 400 metre track is the outgrass and it's about 600 metres per lap and the whole of Pat's group, we do a session called holes, halves and quarters and basically what that is, is that you get put in a relay team of three people, so there would have been around 20 people in the group at the time and regardless of how good you were or standard you were um, she'd put you in with she put you in with people who were sort of at an international level. For example, like Alex Tewton was still with Pat at the time, and I was still looking up to him. I was about fourteen. I'll be putting a group with him. Wow. And, um, <laughs> the session is that like so you one person would run a six hundred meter lap, then then that your next pair would run it, and basically every ten minutes, um, the distance run would be half so it would then become a 300 meter lap okay and gotcha. then after another 10 minutes it would be quarters so it'd be 150 meter per lap and then the groups would get bigger the relay groups would get bigger so yeah it was stuff like that which was getting you fit at the time but it was just really inclusive to everyone in the group oh, that sounds amazing that's 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 really great so i guess you've you've taken a lot of the knowledge that the shared with you and and you kind of keep it keep it going and you're running you know in in the present day which is which is great yeah that's good um i'd love to discuss all the the races and results that that you had um, especially specifically the the results that you that you managed to obtain under uh, pat butcher as your your coach but i just wanted to kind of read out a few of the achievements um that that you that you'd written to me um you had a top five uh, in the uk rankings for park run and 5k yeah. Second for both in 2015. Uh, 13th at the England cross-country trials. Um, six seconds off of obtaining an England vest as well, you put there as well. That's Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was like a really good race that was. I think that was, that was the first time I'd ever gone to the England trials. And it was in my, it was in my second year of running. Yeah. And I'd been with Pat for a year. And I sort of started off like, sort of top 20 in the county and to get to this race you need to be in the top eight yeah so i'll start i quickly started to notice i after a few months of training that i was improving drastically compared to um where i was when i started with pat so this race was in sort of late march of 2015 and uh i came fifth in the hampshire race yeah so i got into the team and basically that's one of the best races, I think, probably my favourite race out of all the races that we do is the English English schools cross country race. So like all of the people who gained Hampshire qualification, they'd all travel up the day before yep. to this race on a minibus. So like you get to meet loads of new friends. Some of my best mates now I've met at these races and um, fantastic. So they're every year is different place and. Um, what happens is that so every county in the country their top eight runners race against each other in the different age groups 
and the top eight in each individual race get to represent England in an okay. international race the week after. Yep. And um, so, yeah, thir- this was my first time I ever went. And I came 13th and I was like, wow, it's crazy. And then looking back at the results, I was only six seconds off gaining that England international vest. I was like, oh, God, if only I did this, if only I did that. Yeah, I know. You, you start questioning, oh, if I had just a few seconds here or if I'd taken that corner a bit quicker. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's cruel. It's cruel to, to, to do that to ourselves sometimes looking yeah. back. But um, yeah, that's a that's a fantastic result story. You must have been really proud of that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was the sort of race which sort of gave me that sort of um, confidence to sort of, all right, this is what I've done with this amount of training. Mm, the next two cool. years could be really good, even better. And um, yeah, it was just a confidence thing after that. I um, started to really excel after that. That's great. No, that's really, really good. And you know, there were loads more results. Yeah, I mean, I'm going I'm to carry on going through a few of them because I really yeah. don't want to miss any. But between 2015 and 2017, these these results that I'm reading were were achieved. So you had top 15 national cross country championships in 2015, British 10 kilometer record for under 15s in 2016. Amazing. Third fastest lap at the national road relays in 2016. Um, the list goes on it's it's absolutely incredible i mean yeah like you say that must have given you just so much confidence in your running over those years just to see those those improvements and those results coming through yeah absolutely so absolutely fantastic so so you mentioned earlier that you've uh, you've made some good friends and 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 training partners obviously through through running in the club and running at races and things like that um do you want to give a, a shout out to any of them any yeah absolutely yeah so i mean like when i started to sort of become more involved in the sport i knew there was two lads who were sort of dominating the first and second spots for my age group in hampshire and uh, they're one of the lads at my club called lachlan wellington yeah. who um he was in a different group to me he's coached by um, another coach at portsmouth vince stamp and a lad from southampton who uh, i think most people in the country will know his name is zach mohammed and um yeah he's able to sort of dominated our age group for the past sort of four or five years and they still do okay. over the cross country in rows yeah so um i think honestly without them having to chase i don't think i would have been able to get to where i was because they were always every single race up that i wanted may or maybe i wanted to take it a bit easier but they were always there and um I was also ch- always chasing them down, but I've I've beat them on a few occasions, but I'll, but they're the very best. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. I think it's it's um that's great that you said that because it's um you know I, I I wanted to mention that to have I was going to ask if there are people around who who can push you um in training and can push you in races, and clearly that you know that is the case. And you know for most of us there is always somebody in front to chase but it but it helps doesn't it it's um absolutely kind of yeah. helps you grow it helps you improve it keeps you going when you don't want to necessarily go uh, as hard and yeah i think um the other a lot of those people who, who help us out yeah and that's a good thing as well like i we we're all really good mates and um we so we sometimes get together and uh train together which is a good sort of it helps me know where i am in comparison to them and they're obviously they're the very best in the country I know yeah. exactly where I need to be and keep pushing against them. That's so um, it's, they're good markers for sure. Fantastic. Excellent. 
Um, so listen, Pat retired at some point. Uh, I think it was 2017, you said. Um, yes, yeah. And obviously, you know, you, the training been going well um, and, and the results were, were going well and stuff. So um, during that time, you maybe mentioned that you decided to take on the coaching yourself and, and kind of run with yourself for about a year or so. How, how did that all go? Yeah, so Pat stopped coaching sort of at the end of the cross-country season, uh, sort of about February time, 2017. So I was like... There were there were other options to go to, but I still had all of Pat's sessions, and um, that was a sort of a period where I was absolutely obsessed with everything related to running statistics, running paces, other people's personal bests, other people's running statistics, and I was like, this could be a good challenge, and if I do this right, I could still maintain the same sort of results that I have been doing with Pat. So um, yeah, it was good. It was. There was more of a freedom there as well, which I think you do have to sort of take control of your own sort of destiny in a way. Yeah, uh, I I get that. Yeah, I can understand that. Because then you, in a way, you don't have anyone else to blame for your results. So um, you can just take full responsibility. And I think that's the best way to sort of keep pushing yourself, to be honest. Okay. So so it was good. The the training on your own was good, like you said. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I definitely have more knowledge and a better sort of attitude towards winter training compared to track training. So I've never, never really excelled massively on the track. Yeah. I've always been sort of better at sort of um, cross country, sort of more grueling, sort of harder events compared to all out speed. But, yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And I think that definitely showed sort of at the um, end of the summer of that year. I was sort of I wasn't getting very good results and especially with exams as well I did lose a lot of motivation to train and to keep that sort of um, attitude towards training myself the way I had been doing in March sort of April time. Okay yeah I mean that's it's it's big commitments isn't it this life throws all sorts of things at you I think often you know maybe as myself as an older runner we forget you know for, for the likes of yourself who are going through exams and important stages of life, it's uh, that can really take it out of you. And you're obviously studying hard. Um, but so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I can but yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. I, I was only 16 at the time. There was sort of, it was like, I'd had no actual experience of self-coaching. It was sort mm. of like, not making up as I went on, but there was clearly inexperience there. Like some sessions I was doing, I was doing too many sessions, for example. I was doing too many long runs. And um, clearly, like, at some points, that did um, hinder my uh, performances or build-ups towards races. Mm. You can you can see how, how that was. But you know what? Looking back now and the way that you're speaking about it shows that even just from making that decision to, to self-coach and stuff like that, you've, you've learned a huge lot. You, you know, you, you've learned masses about, about training on your own and perhaps maybe, you know, I think there's always something positive that, that comes out of out of that. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think those sort of years, that sort of year from 2017 to 2018, I think that did give me, that was sort of like the toughest conditions I've had to train in with sort of no sort of outside guidance or external guidance. And I think that's actually built the way, the most I approach training and racing now. Yeah. So I still I I have a coach and I have a group, but I do train on my own still. Like my sessions I do are 
I'm running at the pace which I'm running at, but it's on my own. So, and I find like in races as well, I find that I can keep good motivation when I'm running solo. And I think that's a big thing, mm-hmm. especially over sort of longer distances when you get, when you have a gap or something or you're running, unfortunately you lose a gap, you you lose the pack in a race. You do need to have that self-motivation. right, hang on, let's keep this pace up keep yeah. to these splits and um just keep focused i think we can all relate all relate to that feeling um so m- moving on a second you I, I love i love the story i love when when, you know, when i read this piece that you sent me but you had a really awesome chance encounter with a couple of runners at a, a park run which you know subsequently led you on to to, to forming a new coaching relationship so can you tell us that story because uh, yeah it was quite remarkable that, that that had happened yeah so it was at the end of sort of end of the summer in 2017 and uh i think it was the um i think it was the summer cross country five mile race which is hosted by ports of joggers and it's at queen elizabeth country park and yeah so um i, I did win the race but beforehand i sort of noticed this lad with like uh really uh, blonde there sort of albino looking but obviously as i got closer to him he, yeah, yeah. he wasn't he was australian he was um really uh tanned and uh sort of white looking hair and I was, i've never seen him about before i was a, uh, i was getting a bit worried he had some good kit on some really nice uh, western australian uh cross-country kit and uh okay. decent shoes i was like oh god you're wearing them shoes mate you're not going to be able to get round here because there's loads of mud and loads of hills <laughs> oh really so um yeah and then after the race um he came up to me and his dad was there and um it turned out to be uh, a man called steve purser who was the um dad of the lad who was in my race called ollie and uh i, don't, I hadn't heard about him before but he was speaking about all of these people who i knew from Portsmouth a lot of the um sort of training partners I'd had when I started uh, at Portsmouth Athletic Club and um he was coached by Pat for a while and um okay he said he was moving back to England because he, he'd been living in Australia for uh, about 10 years and um he's got like a really sort of successful um group out in Australia called Team Purser after his surname and um they've got about 100 runners out there and they okay. sort of like here yeah, they do well in the western australian area and he said yeah i'd be really interested in coaching you as he was he's been speaking to a few other people at the ports of club who were looking for a training group so um yeah and sort of like the rest is history like i'm still with him today and um yeah no i've really enjoyed the time with him i think we're like we sort of we're completely on the same wavelength in regards to training and how we approach sort of uh, training methods. Okay, and and he he's into the numbers and and stats and stuff like that, like you. Yeah, I'd say out of <laughs> all the people I know, bar me, he's um, definitely a, a stat a running stato. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. That's uh, that's excellent. Um, I think I think um I I've learned I, I can't remember how maybe maybe speaking speaking with Steve when I met him a while back he's from uh, Western Australia in Perth yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right, yeah. Because I I went out there a few years ago and and was lucky enough to do some of the park runs out there, um and I met a, a race director out there who invited me along to run 
um, something called the Bibra Lake Half Marathon. Because it yeah, was that's, yeah, that's exactly where their um, training uh, training facilities are, Bibra Lake. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the exact place which they use for their 5K time trials, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. They have, yeah, uh, yeah so I know Bibra Lake quite well then. Uh, there's, there's some nice little kind of play parks around there and there's, um, I remember seeing some signs um, up that apparently uh, people pay attention to in the summer, which is basically watch out for the tiger snakes. Um, oh, God. And these birds that apparently swoop down as well and steal your hair, pick your hair out for their nests. No way. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's lovely. I mean, Perth's just beautiful. It's, um, the, you know, to, to run out there is just amazing. I mean, the, the, the beaches are all sandy and obviously the weather's really good. And, yeah, it's... Um, yeah, it's lovely. It'd be nice to not nice to work one day to see him again, catch up and, and reminisce over Perth because my dad lives up there. So it's some um, somewhere that I'm sure I'll find myself oh, in uh, in again in the future. So yeah. listen, I, I'm keen to find out in any any key differences between between previous coaches you've had and um and Steve's training. Um, like what kind of stuff are you do are you doing with Steve now? How how has your training changed and adapted? Um, I think with Pat, it was always to do with um always to do with the development of sort of a junior athlete we never used to sort of do any sort of consistent or exact and precise splits for training and I think that's definitely beneficial when you're younger because okay. like you do you do want to make it fun and um, not too like taxing and not too like stressful but um, with Steve sort of most of my runs are sort of designated to run at a specific pace for example if we were to do like a session like 10 times 1000 meters like we'd have a specific pace to run different uh specific paces to run for that for each 1000 meters so for example like we may do the first 5k at what we call threshold pace and that's sort of like a pace which you can keep up for around an hour so it's usually around simple terms is around your 10 mile pace yeah okay. so for example what i'd want to be doing is around 312 to 313 per kilometer or 510 to 515 per mile for those first five and then hey, jacob I'm, I'm loving how you've got that table in your head of converting kilometers to miles because i always talk in miles per hour uh, miles <laughs> per hour, or um yeah sorry minutes per mile yeah and i yeah i, I just don't know the conversion tables yet apart from about I think it's what five five minutes per kilometer is eight minute miling. I think. Yeah, so. I think that's the that's the easy that's the easy one to get in your head. That is. <laughs> so when someone talks to me about kilometers, but I always measure it against the five and then say which side of that is that. Okay, I can't kind of know where I am. <laughs> so, well, for the purpose of the podcast, I'll use uh, minutes per mile instead oh. of per kilometer. <laughs> I think the sad thing about that is that most people use kilometers, so they'll be, they'll be moaning after this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, um, yeah. No. So like. One thing, yeah, that's the main thing with Steve's training is that, okay, and that that's sort of really, that's the way I would prefer to do it anyway. I'm very sort of concise and precise about what I want to be doing, how much distance I'm running, what pace everything needs to be at, and a lot of people they don't sort of they don't see running like that. They see training like they base it on feel, which I completely understand. I think for most people that's probably the best way to do it because you can't always take into account different factors like if you had a hard session the day before an easy run you may not want to keep up your sort of a specific pace you might just want to run how you feel which is yeah. fair enough but um, yeah and I always sort of 
go into a session with target times in mind for sure. Yeah, and I think like with Pat's with Pat's sessions, it was always sort of like how hard you can, how hard you can run for that specific rep, which is obviously really good. It teaches you to run fast, but um, with different sort of set paces, I think it allows you to control your training a bit more. Yeah. Okay. Especially when you're doing sort of longer sort of reps as you get older. So for me, I was only doing sort of about 30 miles a week with Pat, and that was exactly what I needed to do at that age. Yeah. But yeah. now I'm sort of hitting sort of 60, 70 miles a week, sort of doing longer sessions. You don't want to be doing everything flat out because it just completely defeats the purpose of your training, and it's a very quick way to burn yourself out. Yeah. Yeah, done done that a few. I think we're all guilty as runners of doing that um, <laughs> yeah. to ourselves repeatedly, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, Jacob, um, out of interest, do you have any kind of sponsorship agreements or or help in place to to kind of help help with the costs of training and racing? Yeah, so I mean, throughout the years, I sort of like got to know a lot of people in mm-hmm. the sort of Hampshire-based area. So I've always had help from sort of sports shops like the Run Company and Norton Sports, just for like discounted sort of stuff like training shoes clothes stuff like that that's great that's really good to hear so um that's I've always, always been a big big help for me and i thank them a lot for that and um but currently now i actually um i know someone at the track called uh fraser and he said he's head of a company called um sports barista and they're actually a coffee company okay and um, they sort of they're doing really well at the moment and they're sort of branching out into um different like sort of aspects of sport like triathlon and running so basically what i have now is that sort of a key nutrition part of my um training so they sort of do sort of sports related coffee and um i've been sort of using their products for about a month now and honestly it's actually unbelievable like the amount of buzz and um how sharp i feel going into different sessions throughout okay. the week is crazy interesting and, um, it's really good on the stomach it's like because i've always been sort of unfortunately um prone to bad stomachs during okay. when I run, and it's always been a sort of like an issue i've been wary about but yeah their products have thankfully had no sort of issues for me and um That's yeah good. every session i'm going to now i'm feeling really buzzed for every single repetition mm. and um yeah no it's good 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 to know yeah. good to hear that they're um you know you're getting help out there and stuff and i think am i right in saying the run company or the shop out of chichester that have now yeah. opened up near worthing i think it is as well and it's james james ellis's james shop, ellis, that's right yeah so um yeah so i used to actually work for him okay a few years ago for a bit of work experience yeah and they always they always sort of lent a hand when cool. i when i sort of um, needed an extra pair of shoes or something like that that's really good that's excellent well i, I guess i mean story-wise it takes us to where to where to where you are now and um you know obviously you've got this this great coaching relationship with steve and you've got your training partners and, and and your friends helping you out there so i think you know it's a it's a really fantastic story but um just to find out maybe a little bit about where you'd want where you want to go with the running like what what your kind of long-term term goals are and are there any uh, goals related to obtaining obtaining the magic England vest at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my my uh, aim for sort of running is to just con- 
staying consistent with the training that I'm doing now. Good. And um, I think where I want to be in sort of five, six years time, hopefully contending for sort of like Commonwealth uh, sort of selection over sort of half marathon, 10K, maybe even the marathon. It all depends on sort of, because I've never been a sort of speed merchant. I don't think I'll ever sort of get a international vest over sort of 1500 meters. <laughs> okay. But, um, the way I run and the way my sort of biomechanics definitely mm. favour me towards um, half marathon and marathon when I get to that sort of age, 20, 24 onwards. Fantastic. So, yeah, competing on an international level at that um, in those distances will always be a sort of um, a lifetime goal for me. Brilliant. Look forward to it. Going to be going to be exciting uh when we start seeing seeing those headlines coming to the papers and stuff, yeah. so brilliant, fantastic. Um, where can people follow you, follow you on social media, or or can they follow your training on Strava if they want to find out any more? Yeah, so I, I have um I have a Strava account and it's not um private or anything, so that's just public. And uh, Instagram, I think my name is uh, Jacob O'Hara Run with uh, no sort of capitals or hyphens okay. or anything. So that's quite easy one to find. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. That's, yeah. that's excellent. And I know I follow you on Strava, and I'm always keen to to analyse your sessions that, that, yeah. that you run with your dad, and get, yeah. always gives me ideas for for things to do. So so that's great. Um, so Jacob, as you, I, I don't know if you've heard any of the interviews. Um, I normally finish on a few recovery run questions. So these are these are really easy, quick fire questions. So cool. are you yeah. ready? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Here we go. So this this is a different question I've not asked a guest before. So as a musician yourself. Um, if you were to run the final few minutes of a hard race to any song, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one, that is. Um, I reckon I'd have to go with Head Shrinker by Oasis, just because like it's a very uncommon song by them, but it's just four and a half minutes of absolute craziness. It's just a mix of everything, punk, okay. rock, the whole lot gets you going. <laughs> That, that's that's very interesting because i was thinking what kind of song it would be for you because obviously like that gives me an idea of what's going on in your head at the end of a race but i think for me it would probably be something like enya or, so, or something oh, ridiculous right, okay. like so that. that's, that's quite a, a soothing sort of sound to it yeah, yeah i think i would have that kind of general feel then, but i'm probably yeah. not pushing myself as hard as you but anyway yeah. um <laughs> question number two someone in your life who has inspired you to to keep going at it oh um i definitely think uh pat absolutely pat sort of when she stopped training she says just keep doing everything i've sort of been teaching you and stay keep the principles of what i've taught you always even through life just um having fun with it and just doing doing as hard as you can and uh great answer absolutely uh what shoes are you currently training in so um for my easy runs definitely hoka clifton's hoka arahi as well Cool. And uh, racing shoes are sort of a uh, Vaporfly 4%. Don't want to okay. get left behind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave it there at the Vaporfly. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Uh, do you have a favourite post-race meal? Oh, I think, yeah, the end of every single cross-country, sort of from November to March, I always get a McDonald's on the way home from a drive-thru. <laughs> lovely oh, you know, you, I, I haven't eaten lunch yet and you just made me really hungry just just saying that <laughs> okay uh, next question would you rather run a 10 kilometer road race or a 10 kilometer trail race 
Um, I think I'll have to go road race because I'm so obsessed with times. Anytime okay. I go on a trail race, I always think I have to keep the same pace up. But uh, obviously, I know that's not possible. So yeah, yeah. I'll have to go for a 10k road race. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot more kind of grade adjusted pace going on in a in a trail race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and listen, finally, is there anything you want to say um, about the running community down here in Portsmouth and, and the South Coast generally, um, you know, maybe a little bit about the impact it's had or just any final words? Yeah, I think, um, especially in Portsmouth, there's definitely been a really good sort of attitude towards running and general fitness. You always see the triathletes out on South Sea Seafront mm. doing a swim session or a run session. And yeah, I think everyone is quite close to each other as well like regardless of club okay or uh yeah sort of constituency um everyone's helping each other yeah i think everyone's helping each other everyone's sort of keen and interested about each other's training and how they're doing so um yeah no i think that's a really good thing to see excellent thanks really appreciate it jacob listen thank you i've taken enough of your time already um i really appreciate you coming onto the show and it's been a pleasure hearing about your running story and um, I really look forward to see what happens with that career in the future because um, yeah it's looking really really promising um, thanks for being a part of the running community and and obviously now part of the Portsmouth running podcast too uh, look forward to catching up with you in the future and I'm going to come and join you guys I think you train sometimes on Saturdays down on the seafront so I'd love yes, to come and yeah. I'd love to come and trail behind you in the, <laughs> in the dust be you leave behind <laughs> yeah no that'd be brilliant Dan thanks very much for having me on it's a pleasure take care Jacob all the best take care see you soon Cool. Welcome oh. back, Dave. That was uh, that was certainly interesting. I hope everyone enjoyed the the interviews. If you've got this far, that is. Um, so listen, just before we uh, we break away, what's um what have you got on the cards for the next month or so? What are your Christmas plans? Are we going to do the the swim in the sea again if if lockdown's over? Are we going to do the Portsmouth Marathon? Your favourite? I think we should. Um, I, I'm a bit bit sad and I'm absolutely gutted for Rob Piggott that the Pompey Marathon's been cancelled because. Um, Obviously, they he's put a lot of hard work in into it, and always does. And but there's you know there's something about that tradition of doing it every year that's yeah. It was really sad that it's not happening this year. And I think it's down to council, isn't it, not allowing use of the seafront. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm really glad you said that actually because I feel the same way. Like I feel really, really, really bad because that is a you know I think Rob brings a lot of people together and and does a lot of good in the in the city for for runners all over the place of all abilities. So mm. it um, feels like it's that race, doesn't it? It feels like finally you're allowed to just relax a little bit and get on with enjoying Christmas and and and, uh, and I'm just gutted that it's not happening. So I might go and do a marathon that weekend. Maybe, maybe, or maybe not the Pompey Marathon route, but we'll see. We'll do, do, do something, yeah. Maybe we can talk you into doing that route, Dave. Come on, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I think, I think if it's um, if it's safe to do so, it would be really nice to see lots of people doing doing that uh, that marathon on the day. And I think we will see that as we did with the Virgin uh, London Virtual Marathon as well. Um, yeah. So obviously, if we're allowed to, and it is safe, and it is advisable to do so, then it, yeah, it would be great to see lots of people out and about. Yeah, I'll, I'll put, put some medals together for us. <laughs> yeah, do that, man. It'll be great. Awesome. One year, actually, we um, we went and did it. And then we, we went and the tradition is to go and meet Martin and Mitch and everyone in um, in Weatherspoons in Southsea afterwards. Okay. One year was doing the Christmas covers party where you pick three covers and, and you play them, play them live. 
so I'd done this marathon, was really dehydrated, mm-hmm. went, got incredibly drunk, and then had to go and play play a gig at the at the fat was it fat box or the one eyed dog? And oh my could, god, <laughs> it was completely knackered, completely drunk. So did you manage it? Yeah, just about. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> you're a machine, dude. You're a machine. Listen, thanks so much for your time again, man. Always a pleasure to to catch up and look forward to uh, to getting together with you for a run, hopefully tomorrow, if we if we can do yeah. it. Brilliant. Um, yeah. yeah. Take it easy and we'll chat to you really soon. And let's come up with some ideas for the birthday. Absolutely. Cheers, dude. Bye. Bye.